Good morning. Good to see you here today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We'll continue in this series that the church is in through the book of 1 John. This morning's focus is listen. This is important. Stand with me as we start in verse 1 reading. 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears... We shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who, put, who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins. And in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning." The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has not been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Verse 11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him 
because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for a time that we can set aside to just partake of the juice and the bread that serve to remind us of the tremendous love that You have for us and how that love was shown to us through Christ. And so today we thank You. We praise You for who You are and for what You've done for us through Christ. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that Your Word serves to... uh, Correct us and instruct us and challenge us and feed us. And we pray, Father, that you will help us today to to feed upon these words of truth. And we pray that we would treasure and hide these words in our heart that we might not sin against you. And so, Lord, we give you our attention, our minds, our hearts, our will, and pray that you would shape us through the work of your Spirit, that our lives might be different as a result of being here today, worshiping you, and walking in obedience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the themes of the book of 1 John is the theme of walking in the light. When I, when I say theme, I'm saying that when you read through the book of 1 John, uh, there are some things that are, that are dealt with, not just in a verse, but they're dealt with thematically. And so we see larger portions of Scripture devoted to those themes. One of those is walk in the light. And to walk in the light means that when we, we realize, first of all, that as sinners we, we were walking in darkness, we were enemies of God, we were in need of being saved, and we could not do that on our own, so we needed a Savior, Jesus. And walking in the light meant that we acknowledged our sin, confessed our sin, and repented placed our faith in Christ and Christ alone and began this journey of being transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light where we begin to live as children of God. Walking in the light meant that the way that we related to God changed and is continuing to change. So that's one major thing. 
And what the, the second theme is what we're going to focus on today here in chapter 3, and it's closely tied into the first theme of walking in the light, in that what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, to walk in the light means that we, we live, walk means to live, live in the light. We walk in love or we live as loving people. And so this morning, we're going to focus upon that, that theme in chapter 3. Five things from this passage. First, love for others is a big priority for God. Love for others is a big priority for God. Let's go to verse 23. I'm, I'm jumping there because verse 23 is sort of a summary of the chapter and a summary of a major thing that's being said throughout the first few verses of 1 John 3. So verse 23 said this, And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another, just as He commanded us. And so, he, he, in verse 23, he, he says, here are two things that are of utmost importance. Number one, believe in Jesus. Number two, love each other. Now, <clears throat> this statement, love one another, this is not the first time that it was found in Scripture, nor is it the last time that we read it if we're reading through Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you read through just the New Testament, you will have come across this, this phrase, this statement. You'll be asked and encouraged and commanded to love one another 22 times. Now, if, if you repeat something to someone else 22 times, it says one of two things about you. Number one, it might say you're forgetful and you just forgot you've said it 21 other times. Or it might mean that this is important. This is important. <clears throat> How many of you by raising your hand as a parent or grandparent would say, there have been a lot of times that I've repeated things of importance to my children, and now to my grandchildren. Would you raise your hand if you can bear witness that? Okay, we see several hands, and I'm raising mine. And When you say something, when you repeat something, you're saying, I, I want to make sure that the first time or the second time I said that, that you indeed hear that as I repeat it this time, this is important. And so not once, not twice, not three times, not four or five, but 22 times in the New Testament alone, if you're reading through it and you start with Matthew 1.1 and you're reading to Revelation, the end of the Revelation, <clears throat> 22 times you're going to read this phrase, love one another. And as you read it repeatedly, you realize that God's not forgetful unless it comes to forgetting and forgiving our sin. God wants us to get this. 
God wants us to understand this and grasp this. Five times just in the book that we're in the series in, 1 John, five times just in this book alone, you will read this statement, love one another. 26 times in the book of 1 John, the word love alone is used. Sometimes it's used for loving God. Sometimes it's used for loving each other. But 26 times the theme of love is expressed and encouraged just in the book of 1 John. Nine times if you read along or you listen to me read Scripture in the entirety of chapter 3 of 1 John, nine times you heard me mention the word love. I believe that John, who authored by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 John, was also uh, the writer and author of the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, 39 times, John uses this term love in the Gospel. This is important. It's important that we believe in Jesus Christ and that we love one another. In Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 and following, it tells us about how a time when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. And the Pharisees gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, the Scripture says, to test Him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? He asked. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and all of the prophets. And so Jesus is saying, if you, if you condensed the teaching of all of the law, and you condensed all of the teaching of the prophets and the two combined, the, the, the least common denominator of truth is these two statements. Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we could just get these two things right. If the focus of our daily life of living for Christ were focused on, Lord, how can I grow in my love for You today? And secondly, Lord, how can I grow in showing love to the people that I'm going to come in contact with today? If we could get these two things right, how much would that impact not only our individual lives, but the lives of people around us. This is a big deal. Turn to the person beside of you and say, loving each other is a big deal to God. Say that to each other right now. Say it to the person beside you. There's a second thing here. Let's go back to verse 1 now. 
Verse 1 reminds us that love for others starts with a good understanding of how we are loved by God. Verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Children of God. If you are here today and you are a follower of Christ, if you're saved, the term used for you here in this verse is this. You are a child of God. That is great news to those of us who believe in Jesus. It's great news to realize that God wanted us. And He chose to adopt us into His family so that we would no longer be children of darkness, but we could become children of light. And most importantly, we could be called His children. What great love the Father has shown to us in and through the person of Jesus. And I really believe that God knew as as sinners, whether we'd think it or verbalize it, we would probably ask this question when challenged a number of times, love each other, we would think, why? Why are you asking me to love them? And you fill in the blank with your them. And this verse reminds us, of, first of all, of the why. Why should I love people? Because God has loved me first. And as we read Scripture, we're reminded that His love for us, first of all, is undeserved. Not one of us earned God's love for us. As a matter of fact, the exact opposite is true about all of us. All, all of us, like sheep, were going astray, and we were going our own way. And the Scripture says what we deserved was death and hell. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But in that same verse that God says to us, the wages of your sin is death. He said, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the good news of the gospel is that while we were still sinners, God expressed and displayed His love for us in sending Jesus to die upon a cross, be buried in a borrowed tomb, and be raised up from the dead, and God extends to us what we so desperately need, and that is grace, and not what we deserve, and that is eternal separation from God. His love is undeserved. His love is unconditional. The term, the Greek term for love in this, in this chapter is the term agape. Agape love is not God saying to you, okay, if you'll, if you'll reach this standard of morality, then I'll consider loving you. 
But we realize that God loved us first. I think it's very appropriate that today as we focus upon the love of God being the basis for which we are to love each other, that we hold in our hands that which represents the blood of Christ and the body of Christ that was given over for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's His great love for us. And Paul wrote, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. It's hard to put it into words. God's love for us not only answers the why, why should we love one another, but God's love for us also explains the how. Because let's face it, we're going to, we're going to talk in a little bit more in a moment about uh, some people are harder to love, and we're, we have a tendency to say, how, Lord? You, you, you say, I'm to love them, how? And the good news is this, that the Bible describes God as He, he is love. It doesn't say God is loving as if that's a quality of His. It says He's love personified. And if you're a believer in Christ, the presence of God through His Holy Spirit lives and indwells you. And His Spirit is that which enables you and I to love with a love beyond our own. That is why in passages like Ephesians chapter 4, God says to us, uh, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. The one who hung upon the cross and while he was hanging on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That same God who hung on the cross in the person of the Son is the one who indwells us through the person of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to love with a love that we don't bring to the table. A love beyond our own. Love for others starts with an understanding of God's love for you. The next chapter, 1 John 4.11 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There's a third thing here. Love for others involves loving those who are hard to love. Let's go to verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death, and who, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so here in these verses, it's referring to the account of Cain and Abel found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 and following. This is that account. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, 
And she conceived and she bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And so, in the same context that God is saying to us, love one another, He's giving us a word of warning, and He's saying, don't be like Cain, who took his brother's life. Now, the truth of the matter is that as believers, two things are true of us as believers, every one of us in the room. Number one, all of us, have been angry at other people. Here's the second thing that's true of all of us in the room. Uh, All of us have made other people angry. And the Scripture here is saying, don't be like Cain. Don't let your anger continue to the point that you take another person's life. Jesus went a step further. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus pointed out that even uh, even being angry with our brother would cause us to be liable to judgment. Matthew 5.22 And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser 
while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So God asks us to love people who are harder to love. There are some people in life that's very easy to love. But there are others that are harder to love. Have you ever thought or said this, God loves you, I'm trying. We've all probably thought that. God loves you, I'm trying. We might have even thought, I think God loves you and I think He's trying. (laughs) Now the truth is that God loves them. And the truth is that God calls us to love them. Even those who are difficult to love. In in his book, Resolving Everyday Conflict, Ken Sandy pointed out that we have uh, two sinful extremes when it comes to entering into conflict with other people. And he said, these are two sinful extremes that we need to avoid. He said, one extreme is avoiding or escaping the person with whom we have conflict with. And we think, I'd just rather not be around them than to deal with the conflict that I have with them. And so the, the, the method of handling the conflict is to avoid or leave or to escape. And Sandy says that is a sinful tendency that some of us have. Particularly those who don't like conflict at all, I I'd rather than talk through this, rather than work through this, I'd rather just avoid this or avoid them. The second extreme is what's being pointed out here in the text, and that is the extreme of attacking the other person. And if your sinful default is attacking, when you engage in conflict, regardless of who it's with, you might get loud, you might call the names, and he says the ultimate extreme of attacking another person is one of taking their life. He says the ultimate extreme uh, in escaping is one who takes their own life. And the Lord says here, don't be like Cain. And by the way, what, what did Abel do to make Cain mad? Mad enough to the point that he wanted to kill him and did. What, did. what did Abel do wrong? Scripture tells us here. Nothing. He didn't do anything wrong. Wasn't something he did. Wasn't something he said. He was just doing that which was right. God viewed Abel's sacrifice, which was a blood sacrifice, a blood offering of an animal, God rejected the sacrifice of Cain. It was from the work of the ground. And in viewing Abel, who had done that which was right, Cain began to realize his own sinfulness and lack of obedience to what God had asked. And he began, the, the, the Bible uses an interesting phrase here, his face fell. And he began to be angry to the point that he killed his brother. 
And in this same context, we're reminded that the world does not know Him and the world does not know us. Us meaning Christians. And if the world hated Jesus, by by the way, why did people want Jesus dead? After all, He was God in the flesh. He never sinned. His motives were always right and pure with everything He said and did. And yet, scribes and Pharisees wanted Him dead. Why? The same principle that we see here that we're warned about here with Cain and Abel. Abel's righteous acts pointed out the sinfulness of Cain. And he was at a crossroads in his life where he could see that God was using that, or wanted to use that to bring about his own repentance and future obedience. But instead, he resented what his brother had done. He resented the fact that God approved of the offering that his brother had offered. And he responded out of anger and hatred for Abel, who was righteous. And so when we live a Christian life in the world that we live in, it's not always because we've done something wrong or said something wrong that people, number one, don't understand us or don't like us or despise us or want us to disappear. The same spirit, the same evil that was at work with Cain and among the people that hated Jesus is at work in our world today. But he says to us who are believers, don't be like Cain. Well, how am I to do that, Lord? After all, you love them. I'm trying. How am I to do that? We talked about that just a moment ago. His Spirit living in us is the how. (laughs) Number four. Let's go to verse 16. Loving others involves loving those who are in need. 1 John 3.16 By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So He's... He started getting personal with the illustration of Cain. Now he's getting even more personal. And he's saying, if you're going to love each other, this is what it looks like. It avoids being like Cain. It involves helping people in need. By the way, Warren Wearsby had an interesting note about verse 16. He said, how many of us know John 3.16? Most of us could quote that. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We said, how many of us know and have committed to memory and have treasured in our heart 1 John 3.16, which first reminds us that God laid down His life for us through Christ, but then challenges us by saying we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. John 3.16 said, Jesus laid down His life for you. 1 John 3.16 says, you ought to lay down your life for your brothers. Now what's not being said there is this, we're not to die like Jesus did because Jesus' death was sufficient for the sins of other people. But He's saying that, that our love should be sacrificial. We should lay our life down in sacrificial love for people. And here he's saying, namely, people in need. Because if we have the means to help others, and we live with a closed hand, closed hand mean, meaning, this is mine, I, I'm not sharing, I'm not giving it, not helping you, then it says, how can God's love abide in us if we live this way? James also addressed this in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. He said, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? So he's saying it's easy to say, bless you, I pray for you. But James says, what good is that? And then finally, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Don't just say, I love people. I love them. It's easy to do that. But let your love be shown in real, practical, tangible ways. Visible ways. God is our greatest example in this. Romans 5.8 says this, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Another translation said, He openly displayed His love for us in this, that Christ died for us. And so, love was not an emotion that just existed in the heart and mind of God, but love was openly displayed best through the finished work of Christ for you and for me. And so he's saying here, don't, don't just love in word, but love in deed and in truth. And that leads us to these questions that flow, I believe, from this, from this chapter and from this often repeated statement Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. How, how was your love demonstrated this week for other people? 
If someone is observing your life this past week, what would they point to as an example of genuine, tangible, practical love that you express to someone else? If someone observed your life, would they observe you loving people that are difficult to love? Would they observe you helping those in need? And here's a church-wide question. Two things that flow out of God's two big priorities ought to result in a watching world saying this about the church. They sure love God and they sure love people. And the watching world should be able to say, and they love me. And they love me. Lord, help us to get these two things right. Help us to grow in what it means to love you with all of our heart. Help us to grow in that area. And Lord, help us to grow in loving people as we love ourselves. Would you pray with me? Lord, I want to thank you that you care enough about us as Father that you repeat things to us. And we confess that we need you to repeat things to us. Because it's so easy for us, Lord, to forget the importance of spiritual things. It's so easy for us to forget the importance of loving you with all of our heart and our being and loving other people. And Lord, it's so easy for us to say, I, I love people. But Lord, I pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit today that you would just expose in our own lives people that we don't love. We're not even trying. And Lord, help us to live not as people of a closed hands thinking this is mine, these resources are mine, but help us, Lord, as John has challenged us here that if we have the resources and we thank you, Lord, for what you've given us and gifted us with in terms of blessings, help us, Lord, to live with an open hand. Realizing that everything that we possess is yours, given to us by you as a gracious, giving God. And help us, Lord, to be willing to love people, particularly those in need. Forgive us, Lord, when we use pious words and we don't back them up with practical deeds of showing love. This week, Lord, help us to show love to others. Lord, use this invitation time to move us from hearing 
to doing. Help us to follow you and your commandments and your word. We pray that this invitation time will be a time of open, unashamed profession of that which you're calling us to do and be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.